Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Lord's Podcast. With Will Rowe. Well, welcome to this month's Lords podcast. I'm very pleased to be joined by England's women's captain, Charlotte Edwards, and Guardian cricket journalist, Ali Martin. Welcome both. Hi, Will. How are we doing today? We're all right? Yeah, very good, very good. Um, Recovering in the wake of England's uh, defeat to Bangladesh in Adelaide, which obviously ended their World Cup dreams, but, you know, onwards and upwards. Absolutely, we'll come to that quite soon, I imagine. And Charlotte, you well? Yeah, no, you've obviously been back a week now from New Zealand and jet lag's fully out of the system, so um, it's nice to be back for the cold. Great stuff. Well, we'll reflect on England's early exit from the World Cup and discuss why it's been yet another one-day failure. With MCC jetting off to Abu Dhabi next week for the Champion County fixture with Yorkshire, we'll preview that tour, which will see Alistair Cook in MCC colours, and we'll finish off the podcast with a World Cup quiz. But first, I'd like to turn to you, Lottie, and talk about quite an achievement that you've reached whilst out in New Zealand recently. You're 200. How was that? Yeah, it was was an unbelievable day, really. I was sort of overwhelmed, really, by um, the sort of media attention to it as well. And and obviously, um, you know, proud moment for me to captain my country for the 200th time and and to obviously win the game as well and win the series was, um, it was quite a a memorable day for me. I was going to say, you're you're a very competitive cricketer. I mean, you're the type of person that, as much as that milestone will mean a lot to you, you probably were just thinking about the game. Yeah, as I've said before, you know, the focus around the dressing room wasn't around my 200th game, although the girls, you know, you could see obviously they wanted to, to win the game, and um, but um, it was it was all about the win for me, and obviously, you know, that week was a really important week for us, and to get the two series wins as well was really, really important, so, um, you know, delighted with how we finished the trip, and obviously with the milestone in there, it was, um, you know, made it a really nice, nice trip. It was quite a tough trip actually wasn't it I mean it was a very close series you won the, the ODI won 3-2 in the end uh, did, did you expect New Zealand to be so competitive yeah we did I mean they've always been a really competitive team and um, you know they, they started really well we didn't and but you know I was really you know pleased with how we responded and how we came back in the series and I think um, you know, towards the end of this trip was I think we showed signs of how good a team we are but um, we need to start the trips you know better than we have done and um you know, that's something to work on for the future. Great. Now, I'd like to come on to some questions that we have for you on Twitter under the uh, hashtag AskLottie. 
There's been so many questions come in this uh, for you, which is great. We're actually going to have to do it in two parts. So we'll come on to some of them later on in the podcast. But the uh, the first question for you is um, from Robin Carlyle. He says, hello, Lottie. You were missed last night. Um, great words spoken of you. Are you planning a dinner comeback at Lord's? I think he's referring here to a gala dinner, which Alistair Cook was at at Lord's yesterday. Yeah, actually, I know Robin quite well. He's, I played with his son, and I met them last year. I haven't seen them for probably 15 years, so it was nice to come to the dinner last year. But hopefully, yeah, if I'm invited, I'll come back to, to another dinner in the long room. Great stuff. We've got a question from Georgia, who I believe works in the library here at MCC from time to time. She says, after a successful season in Western Australia and then a good tour of New Zealand, do you think we'll see more England players in Oz this winter? Yeah, I do. I think um, it's something that certainly... I'd like to see more of the England players going abroad and playing. I think I, I learned a huge amount from my experience out there. And I know for younger players, it's, it's an experience I think you should have early on in your cricketing career. Um, I never did it in well the Australia experience, especially when I was younger. And um, I think I would have really benefited from it. So hopefully with the big bash um, coming around, um, there'll be many more opportunities across the world to play. Lovely. Um, Barry Hainsworth asks, how challenging will this year's county international fixture list be for the women's side? Of course, you've got the Ashes coming up. Yeah, I mean, I was just writing all my fixtures into my diary the other day and, it, you know, it's going to be a pretty full-on summer. Um, I think it's something we're going to have to make sure is that we obviously put some time uh, aside to obviously rest and, and get ourselves prepared for come, you know, July the 21st against the Australians. Obviously, that's our massive um, series for us. And um, but yeah, you know, the county fixtures are going to be um, obviously really crucial for us in, in preparation for that. So, um, yes, yeah, get, getting that balance, I think. Absolutely. Uh, next question from Kieran. What are your hobbies besides cricket? Well, um, I like shopping. Um, I like dancing. Um the, the, the team will tell you how good I'm at dancing and um, um, yeah and I just socialise with my friends when I get the chance to because obviously you don't have that much time off but um, but shopping and socialising probably next one from Alec Alec Patton um, what's better oh, this is quite a tough one winning the Ashes the World Cup or T20 um, I think Previously, I'd have probably said, you know, the World Cups are really important to us. But I think now the format's changed for the Ashes. I think, you know, playing the two best teams in the world at the moment and the, the last two Ashes series have been highly competitive. And I don't know, there's just that extra kind of feel to that now that it is, is just as important as a World Cup win as, as an Ashes series. And I think that's probably, for the men, the Ashes is the pinnacle. And I think it's getting that way now for the women. So you think it's kind of turned round the way, in, for, for the men's the Ashes is the, the pinnacle, but for the women it was previously the World Cup and now it's kind of yeah, just split over. Just purely because of the format change and that it is more of a proper series over the three formats. And I think, um, you know, when you're playing the best team in the world and, you know, you beat them, it's quite a, you know, quite a special feeling to, to win that trophy so um, hopefully we can make it three out of three this summer and yeah and this summer you've got Sky Sports and BBC Radio going to live broadcast all seven of your matches um, that shows just how far women's cricket's come hasn't it I guess yeah I think you know I was so surprised when I you know heard that in, in November that you know all the games are going to be shown live on Sky and it's, it's fantastic news for women's cricket and hopefully you know that can um, you know we can obviously now showcase the game it's a great platform for us to to really expand the game which it has done over the last few years Ali I'd like to bring you in on that point uh, the, the extended coverage of women's cricket to the point now where it is on Sky and the BBC for the, the whole Ashes series um, as a cricket journalist you followed the game for many years um, did, did you see that maybe 10 years ago 
Uh, well, ten years ago, I wasn't a cricket journalist, but um, <laughs> but if you'd asked me, no, I guess you wouldn't have seen it coming. I think I think we saw. I mean, England have, have always sort of led the way, haven't they, in the way that um, in dealing with women's cricket and actually promoting it and and you know bringing on sort of near professionalism for the for the women's team. Is it, we're approaching. We're now in full professionalism. Yeah. Um, I think I'm. I think I sort of woke up to how seriously England were taking it. Bizarrely, from a press release, I think it was in 2008 or 2009. I mean, obviously, the, the England have been doing well. They just won the World Cup. But Catherine Brunt, the fast bowler, was being. It was a press release announcing that she'd been sent on a strength and conditioning course. And I thought, I thought, blimey, there is some serious hard yards being put in here to get England right to the top. And you know, I mean, players like Charlotte and Sarah Taylor. I mean, they're just you know they're real icons now in 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 sort of British sporting life. Absolutely. Um, next question under hashtag Aslotti. Jonathan Balding, what is the most defining moment of your career so far? Um, I think winning the World Cup in 2009, you know, personally, it was always uh, a massive goal for me to win a World Cup. And it was, I think it was my fourth World Cup and first as captain. So I think it made it extra special and to win in Australia. And I think that really, I guess, not just for the, you know, for us as a team, but for the sport, I think it gave us... Um, more media coverage and then coming back here and winning the T20 World Cup it was quite a special year 2009 so um, now that will always you know obviously be really memorable for me and just finally under the, the first round of uh, Hashtag Aslotti we've got Anil Catwell asks are you in favour of a 10 team World Cup I think referring to the men's game here and the talks about maybe getting rid of some of the associate uh, countries I mean, what's your view on the current format Oh, I think it's been brilliant. I think some of the games, you know, having been out in New Zealand as well and, and watched some of them live and obviously a lot on TV, you, you realise how much, you know, the Irish Afghanistans have brought to this tournament and, um, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed watching it, you know, watching Scotland this morning. I think it'd be really sad. Um, I know it's a long tournament and obviously because it's been in Australia and New Zealand, but um, I think they've definitely, I think um, it's a definite case for them to be included in it in the future of World Cups. Ali, what do you, what's your thoughts on this? The, the sort of the rumours around this. Yeah, well, I mean, as, as it stands, the the, the twenty nineteen World Cup will be a ten team World Cup, and and it 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 feels like a real shame because we're watching a World Cup now that is, as Lossie said, is throwing up some great stories. I mean, Shaiman Anwar of the United Arab Emirates. Who'd heard of him before this World Cup? And yet there he is scoring his country's first World Cup century. We had Kyle Kurtzer, of course, as well for Scotland as well. And it feels like these teams are almost having to justify their existence every time they play, which actually adds an extra layer of pressure onto onto their games. Um, but but they they add so much um, to it, um, the colour and the sort of the story and the narrative behind it. I mean, Ireland themselves. I mean, you know, they're still in the tournament. We're talking about Ireland; they're still in the tournament. England aren't. Absolutely, um, and, yeah. and that and that kind of says it all. It'd be a shame if sort of sort of the the commercial side of cricket and the the, the sort of um, the way that India wants to have a certain number of games televised and that obviously brings the money and you can understand it but a compromise has to be reached because keeping these smaller nations out of the team doesn't expand the game globally and that really should be the, the meaning of a, of a World Cup is to spread the word of cricket. I mean at the time of this record, the recording of this podcast I think Josh Davey of Scotland is currently the highest wicket taker, uh, wicket taker in the tournament so that just goes to show. Um, there's a few more Tweets for you, uh, Lottie, but they were basically about asking you if you're going to skip at the men's side. So that moves <laughs> us nicely on to talking about England's World Cup exit, where, um, Ali, I'd like to bring you in here, really. Um, well, following that exit to Bangladesh, I mean, where do they go from here? 
Well, it's it's a it's a conversation we have pretty much every four years, isn't it? And um, I think if you probably look at the selection and the squad that England picks, I know that Kevin Peterson aside, that that's its own issue. But there were no players that were really screaming out for selection that weren't in the fifteen. Um, England had cleared the decks with a you know a full winter of white ball cricket leading up to this World Cup, and yet they've been completely blown away. I mean, we're talking about a, a set of performances where with bat and ball they just haven't been up to the mark. Um, it's been deeply embarrassing and it hurts a lot um, because, you know, English cricket, while we've talked about previously about the Ashes, I mean, switching over to perhaps becoming the pinnacle for the women's game, I hope that, uh, I mean, obviously that is a, a multi-format uh, experience for the for the players, but in the cricket, there is such a test emphasis in this country and um, where they go from here, I think um, if we're saying that the players picked, there weren't anyone that, that should have been in the squad that wasn't, um, I think we'd probably have to go back to domestic uh, one-day cricket in this country and perhaps ask whether the Royal London um, Cup is is throwing up you know, uh, enough sort of um, players for the selectors to look at. Um, there's been plenty of experience in the England squad at the moment, six players from the previous World Cup. Um, they've played as many one-dayers as, as Australia during the last four years um, and yet the, the style of cricket um, that we've seen from the other nations, the other sort of big five, the gap between England and those top five teams it feels pretty vast at the moment and um, you know we're all scratching our heads as to why that is. Yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of fallout in the media and as you say, people are scratching their heads. I think since 1992, obviously England made it to the final and lost to Pakistan, but we haven't, well, England haven't been good at one-day cricket really in for, for any period of time. No, and I think, I think in terms of English priorities, I think they probably do need to be readdressed because it is, it does feel like only four years that we really put an emphasis on one-day cricket in terms of why aren't we as good as the rest? Um, and I think during that time, England, you know, two years ago, they were number one in the world in one-day cricket, um, but it but it fell away. Um, I think Ashley Giles, who was limited overs coach before Peter Moores took over last year, often lamented the fact that by the Champions Trophy, he didn't get his first-choice team um, because, obviously, the nature of the schedules, huge amount of fixtures that England play, um, that rest and rotation came into it. And, and that in itself sort of dilutes selection, dilutes one-day international cricket um, for England and, and as a result um, they've not been able to sort of find a, a way of, of playing in this intense style. Certainly with the bat, um, the ball has also been a, bit, a big fear, the lack of penetration with the ball as well. So all areas for England unfortunately. I mean, Do you think it is personnel or do you think it's management? Where do you think the issues lie? Because obviously it's clear that everyone is talking about the domestic game needs to change. We're sort of England, uh, the England domestic games falling behind the the Australian Big Bash, the IPL. Some of our players are not they're not playing in those tournaments, so it, it kind of seems only natural that they're not going to be at that level. Yeah, and equally, it's it's natural after a World Cup campaign like this, and you know, going out with one game to spare, it's it's pretty embarrassing to be honest. Is that questions will be asked of of the management? We, we there are players in that squad. You look at the likes of Josh Butler, and you know, you think. You know, what an outrageous talent this this, this kid is. Um, and he didn't actually face that enough balls in the tournament. I mean, whether he was batting too low, I mean, some of the selection going into the tournament, England were um, had James Taylor at number three. Um, they'd obviously removed Alistair Cook as captain just before Christmas after the Sri Lanka tour. There was so much confusion. And, and yet, having a lot of this time to focus on one-day cricket, it just... It just they just seem to implode, um, and I think you have to probably go back to the environment there. I know a, a lot of talk has been about of England's obsession with data and statistics, um, um, and it's a fair call because I think you, you felt like England were so constipated in the back in those middle overs and and, and trying to make up ground. Um, even 
when they did make 300 against uh, Scotland and Sri Lanka, neither of those scores felt enough. Obviously, against Scotland, the, the bowlers had a chance, uh, had a much better chance, but Sri Lanka blown away. Yeah, absolutely. That I mean, that I think the 300 these days in uh, ODI cricket isn't actually that great a score. You know, it's it's moved on. Sort of 350, 400 is what teams are posting now: South Africa, Australia, India. Um, I think what was quite alarming uh, this week was uh, it was a quote from Paul Downton. Uh, he said that the tournament has taught us how much that T20 cricket has influenced the 50 over game. I mean, it, it's bit, T20 cricket's been a, around a while now. It's, is, does that alarm you? Yeah, a little bit. It's, it suggests that he's a bit slow on the uptake there. Um, England have obviously the whole sort of English game, the men's game in particular, is structured all around the international team and, and sort of protecting the players to play international cricket has been a big thing. Central contracts, obviously. Hugely benefit to the test side, um, but as a result of that, they've been kept away from T Twenty cricket quite a bit. Um, IPL appearances are very, um, are very few and far between. We saw a, a, a player like Kevin Peterson jostling, you know, long and hard during his England career to play more IPL cricket. Um, and I guess that there will come a point when England has to accept that, there, that the IPL is a reality um, and that uh, allowing players to play in it and perhaps revamping the English T20 as well uh, and getting English players involved there too will benefit because we are seeing these scores, especially the late surges. It, we, 96 Sri Lanka with their openers, you know, they, they, they set the tone then from the top of the order. But these days, it's the, the, the big runs are being scored at the back end of the innings and that's from you know, these power hitters like Glenn Maxwell that we're seeing. The game's evolved, hasn't it? In the lot, even in the last six months, I mean, four hundred is you know the, you'd have thought nigh on impossible, and now it's just you know every team sort of getting late three hundred, four hundred. The fielding restrictions as well are a yeah. big part of that. That that extra man who has to come inside the circle, it, you know, the bowlers become cannon fodder, um, and other teams. I mean, the rule's been around for two years, but other teams have felt much quicker to adapt than England. Absolutely. Um, just looking forward, I guess. Will this all be forgotten about come the start of the English Test summer here and you've got New Zealand and then obviously the Ashes and then do we again sort of forget about one day cricket and then in four years time go, uh oh, it's, it's back again. Is Do, do you think there's a, maybe complacency for that or is, is this been such a shock in the manner of the exit, such an early stage um, that it might really kick something into gear yeah well I think I think you have to sort of take your hats off to England for, for not even reaching the quarterfinals because the, the whole tournament is structured for those big sides to, to just to get to those knockout stages and had they got there as they did four years ago um, then perhaps yeah it would have been easier to forget about but the, I, I feel at the moment the sheer uh, nature of this defeat of this of this failed campaign as it, as it is um, will hopefully spark you know a bit more um interest in, in one day cricket in terms of the management's point of view and actually getting the best team out in the park as much even if that means perhaps cutting down the amount of one day cricket they play Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds Salads generally for most people are the easy button right? For me that wasn't an option I never really was a salad guy that's just not who I am but Noom worked for me Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have it to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Who's going to win it now? Oh, I think, you know, when it gets to it gets to the knockout stages, I think. But um, I think I think I've, South Africa, I think, are a team that I, I just think are a, a really good outfit. I know they've lost a couple of games, but there's something about that batting lineup that scares me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is there a certain but, player called A.B. De Villiers? Yeah, and, uh, you know, if those kind of big match players come off, um, I think Australia are obviously going to be... Uh, and I know everyone's tipping New Zealand, but you just—I just feel they may have just peaked too early, and I think it's about just peaking at the right time now. And I think maybe South Africa. Hopefully, I'm hoping. Um, so you're backing South Africa. Yeah, Ali. Um, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that New Zealand can carry on in this crestful wave. I mean, I'm, it's a, a guy like Brendan McCullum, obviously the captain. He's such an impressive bloke, isn't he? Mm. Um, and the way that they are going all out attack, I know they've had a, a couple of a couple of close games. Well, the Scotland game looked closer than it was, but the Australia game was 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 some collapse. But but it, that's a byproduct of the way that they're attacking. They're attacking this one day game um, and that format. I've got a question mark about Sri Lanka because I'm not sure about their ability to chase. Um, if they if they are to win this World Cup, I feel like they're going to be, have to be batting first in the knockout stages. So the toss could be could be very big in those games. They've only chased one score over two fifty in the last two years, South Africa. So that's. The big question mark for me. Absolutely, it's interesting that neither of you picked Australia. I can't see why. <laughs> why, why you're not backing them? No chance. <laughs> <laughs> now, next week, an MCC side captained by Nick Compton head out to the UAE for the Champion County match against Yorkshire. Compton will captain an extremely strong team, which includes Alistair Cook, Michael Carberry, and Graham Onions. I caught up with Nick yesterday at Lords and asked him how he was feeling ahead of the tour. Yeah, really looking forward to it. I think most of the guys who have spent their time in, in indoor schools during the English winter are, are dying to get out to, to some sunshine. And normally in, in Abu Dhabi, Dubai, you're, you're guaranteed sunshine for, for most of the time. Uh, and apart from anything, it's nice to get together with a group of guys that I perhaps uh, don't play with all the time. Um, some experienced guys, you know, you've got the likes of Alistair Cook, who's the current England captain. You've got, you know... Michael Carberry, who's played uh, Test and One Day Cricket. And uh, Sam Billings, who's a very exciting young wicketkeeper. You know, Graham Onions, who I've been on England tours with before. So a real sort of uh, combination of, of young guys and, and older, more senior guys. So I think there'll be a good blend of, of youth and experience. And, and hopefully we can have some fun. Nick Compton there, clearly looking forward to that tour. Um, Ali, you're going to be out there covering it for The Guardian. Yep. Uh, what, what are you expecting from that? 
Well, I mean, I guess I guess my interest going out there is is in particular Alistair Cook. I mean, you have the England Test captain there um, who hasn't played since he lost the one day job in in Sri Lanka before Christmas, and he's had this long layoff. And I'm guessing it'd be interesting to see how how he performs, um, and also obviously reuniting that opening partnership with Nick Compton, which um, England had for a while as well. Um, it's 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 a bold move as well for Alistair Cook, I think, because it, this is day night cricket. It's a pink ball. Um, I don't believe he's played the, in, in those conditions before, um, but it obviously provides him with some proper competitive cricket ahead of the tour of West Indies, which um, you know certainly from his point of view, in terms of wrestling back full control of, of the England Test side, which is all he has now in terms of captaincy. Um, it's it, this 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 game against Yorkshire presents a, a great opportunity. So just just to get into Nick for that, he has he has played in. In the MCC Champion County match before, but you're right, he hasn't played since the the games moved out to mm. the UAE in the it's the Sheikh Zayed Stadium in Abu Dhabi under lights with the pink ball. Um, a, a brave move, you say, but also it's probably quite nice for him to not have the captaincy and and just go out there and bat. So I guess Lottie, if if you're in a situation where you, where you were struggling for form um, and then maybe the captaincy becomes a burden. Would it be nice to just relieve yourself of that and just just go off to a tour and just just bat? Yeah, sometimes it's just nice to just go and be a player, and and obviously, and any chance you get to play any kind of meaningful cricket like against Yorkshire is going to be a good test for him. So um, yeah, I think it's a great move, and hopefully, he'll go out there and be successful. He's had a good break now. He's had some time at home with the family, and I think um, I really, really hope we see the best of Alistair Cook this summer. Just going back to the, the captaincy issue, um, can you remember a time when you weren't captain for England? Um, <laughs> can you remember how that feels? Long, it's a long time ago, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I was obviously a lot younger then, um, but I had huge ambitions to captain. I was always a real, uh, you know, I studied the game and I enjoyed it. So, um, but yeah, no, it's, it'd be weird not to captain, obviously, England. But um, I do quite enjoy playing club cricket and just standing down at fine leg. It's quite a nice um, to have a bit of a break sometimes. And and Ali, just coming back to the UAE game, uh, the, the the game under lights. What what are your thoughts surrounding the idea of playing Test cricket in those such conditions? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I think Australia and New Zealand are, are sort of floated the idea um, potentially for a Test match uh, next winter, uh, and that would be that be interesting to see. I'm not sure whether that's going to happen yet. There are still negotiations going on. Um, the big issue, of, of course, is the ball um, and, and and how that is seen. I mean, the reports back from the players who've played in this fixture previously have, have been encouraging. Um, but it feels like we are still, well, maybe this is the final test before we, it goes into test cricket, but it feels like that we're still getting used to this. I know Chris Rogers, who plays for Australia, has reservations because his colour blindness prevents him from seeing the pink ball as well. So that, that does limit maybe the odd player. But... Um, He's not a fan, I know that. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he did play in that fixture and, and didn't enjoy the experience. Yeah, but, as, but as well as much as as much as the pink ball is a factor, it's also the the batting in that transitional period when the lights take over, and that's also what I'm interested to see because this will be the first pink ball match I've covered. Absolutely, I mean, the, Australia and New Zealand—they're kind of toying with the idea, and it looked like it was definitely going to go ahead this this year, but then. Every kind of article you read, it's it's kind of fifty-fifty whether the, the mm. match will happen. But I think for MCC, certainly the the idea is to to have this match played under lights, test cricket, and to, to maybe bring crowds back in a way that one day international uh, fifty-over cricket does. So it's I think that's the aim. But I mean, it, it's been this will be the, the the fifth year, or sorry, this will be the sixth year that it's happened um, out there and. I think by and large, and kind of anecdotally, the good players have scored runs and the good bowlers have, sorry, the good batsmen have scored runs and the good bowler have taken wickets. So 
I, I don't know how much the conditions really affect, you know, your, the good players will still do well. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, also, during that tour out there, Yuvraj Singh is putting on the MCC colours again. So he's playing in a T20 tournament in, uh, in Dubai. Um, what are your thoughts on Yuvraj as a player? He's a phenomenal player. Isn't he? he was player of the tournament in uh, 2011 uh, for the World Cup, which was, you know, a huge, huge story for him, especially the comeback from from cancer, which he overcame as well. Um, and I don't know, he's just one of the big beasts of Indian cricket. And you know, uh, I'm trying to think how old he is. He must be 34 now, but he's he's just picked up the the highest ever deal in the Indian Premier League. So his stock in India uh, doesn't seem to be diminishing. He's a, he's a real world star. And if you look down the, the list of players for MCC that are going to be rubbing shoulders with him. Albeit just for the T Twenty matches, um, you know, I mean, what a player to play alongside. Absolutely. Why? Why is Yuvraj not out in the India side? Where would he fit that, in there? Yeah, I guess they've got Jadeja now, haven't they? He bowls and and that's um, you know a pretty good team, aren't they? Um, but yeah, I, I was actually thinking when I watched some highlights the other day that Yuvraj played in two thousand and eleven was was yeah, like you say, player of the tournament. Lovely. Um, moving on, I'd like to come on to the second round of um, questions for you, Lottie, and the hashtag Ask Lottie. Um, many thanks for everyone that has tweeted these in. Um, the first one's from Ralph Nicholson, who I believe you know. Um, she says, what's the best way to improve English women's domestic cricket? Is a franchise system the way forward? I think, um, I think it's something we need to look at. I think we need to make our domestic competition um, stronger, you know. Obviously, with us becoming professional cricketers now, I think we need a, a domestic competition that I guess prepares players for international cricket um, probably better than it does now. And and and, and I, I guess uh, a, a small team tournament would would I guess suggest be the right thing to do. Um, obviously, that's not a decision that I can make. But um, having played out in Australia in the winter, playing in in their state competition, realizing that you've got the best be the best. Every single game was something that you know I really, really enjoyed, and I think it's something we can learn from. As I think domestically, that's the best competition in the world, and I think um, you know, like Ali said earlier, we've led the way in women's cricket for for the last ten years, and I think you know this might be the next step for us to have a, um, a domestic competition that envy has been the envy of the world. Um, next question is also from Raf. I've given it two because it's a good question, and I know Ali, you're uh, particularly interested in this one. Uh, will we see you playing in the Women's Big Bash in Australia? Um, I'd love to. I think I had a wonderful time out in Perth, and um, you know, and I think they're keen to have me back. Um, obviously, but I need to, to talk to them over there, and um, obviously make sure that our international schedule allows us to go and play. But uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it was a brilliant, brilliant competition, and one of you know, as an international player, you want to play in the best competitions in the world, and I, I believe that is. Absolutely. Um, Didsbury Women's Cricket Club, I've got a question for you. They've said, if you had to make a cricket tea, what would it be? Oh, I love cricket tea, by the way. Um, <laughs> I love cheese and onion sandwiches, um, yeah. tuna sandwiches, that would be always. Um, I like a sausage roll. Um, a bit of, my mum's Victoria sponge would be perfect and maybe some, um, some scones and jam. And I make some good scones, actually. Okay, love this. Scones, not scones. Yeah, scones. Yeah. And um, who in the England's in the women's side is the worst cook? The worst cook? Oh, dear. Um, I reckon... Oh, dear. I actually think there's not too many... 
we we had apartments in New Zealand and actually the girls were cooking up a storm most nights. I probably I'm probably not the best. Uh, so probably me, I would say. Uh, <laughs> pasta's about the limit for me. Quite honest of you there. Um, next one. Next question comes from your. Uh, your teammate Kate Cross, she says, oh "When is she taking me out for dinner?" I believe there might be a backstory to yeah, this. Yeah, there question. is a story to this, and it's quite a funny one. Um, in Scarborough in the summer, um, I was on ninety nine not out, and we lost our our, um, our ninth wicket. And in walked Kate Cross, who ha- who was oblivious to what was going on at the time. So I just went to her, I said, "Crossy, stop this one, and I'll sort the rest out." And she was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently walking out there, she had no idea what I was on. So when I went to her, just stop it. She's going, yeah, of course I'm going to stop it. Um, and then obviously when I hit the run, she, um, um, and I said, stop it and I'll buy you dinner. And I've never bought a dinner. And she keeps going on about it. She's a northerner, so she, uh, <laughs> she doesn't stop. But so, I will buy you dinner, Crossy. There you go. Well, you heard it here first on the Lord's podcast. <laughs> um, Mandy Clark. Um, who do you see replacing you as captain when slash if you step down in 2017? Oh, um, I think, you know, obviously Heather Knight's um, my current vice captain at the moment and I think, you know, she's got um, huge potential in, in obviously um, captaining and, um, and you know, I think there's obviously, obviously other candidates. I mean, I think Nat Siva is someone who potentially in time could, could do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are a couple of names that stand out to me at the moment. But um, but yeah, it's it's exciting. I know obviously Heather's um, working under me at the moment and doing a great job. And I think we've got a really good relationship going on. But um, will I step down in 2017? I don't know. So, um, <laughs> but hopefully I'll play here, in, you know, till 2017. But no, I haven't decided what I'm going to do after that. Uh, Manoj Rashantha asks, after you retire from cricket, what role would you like to do? What role? Um, I've got I've got huge aspirations to coach at the highest level. I think you know I've, I've um, I'm not hidden that at all. Um, I'm obviously doing some coaching with our um, junior teams at the moment, trying to obviously enhance my coaching. I've been out to Australia and, and did a lot of coaching out there. So you know that's something I really would like to do. Um, and I feel like I've got a lot to give back to the game. I think someone of my experience, I think to walk away would be quite a sad um, thing. So um, yeah, so hopefully I can. Um, you know, do some coaching afterwards, and who knows where that will take me. You would, you would have thought that the ECB would not let this particular England captain uh, swan off into the media. Uh, you feel like Charlotte's experience has to be retained. Yeah, heading to Sky Sports. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, um, from Lyndon Clements, uh, when are you going to write the definitive story of women's cricket of recent times, aka your biography? Um, oh, it's not something I've. Um, really thought about um, especially whilst I'm playing I think we've seen a lot of people write books and whilst they're still playing um, and it's not something I'm you know interested in at the moment but you know that's never to say never um, I think obviously I don't think it's a that interesting story but um, but I think obviously the cricketing public it would probably be quite nice to, to put something to paper when I when I finish but um, I've got no plans at the moment. I think a lot of fans of uh, England cricket and especially women's cricket would think it's quite an interesting story so I think uh, <laughs> there'll be a few journalists uh, queuing up to help you write it as well. Yeah, yeah. Sure. so maybe you should, st- do you keep a journal or anything? Do you write oh, a diary? No, I've got a good memory. Good uh, memory. You know, I, get, I, get, I get a lot of uh, stick for, I remember every single game um, and how many people have scored and so I've got, yeah I'm, I'm a bit of a cricket geek um, but, you, yeah, in terms of writing stuff down, no, a lot of it's up here, I think. Are you one of those batsmen that, you know, if, if, if you cut it, you know, behind square, you remember that it went behind square for four, and you, you remember every shot in an innings? Yeah, you... I can still remember my first 
runs in international cricket. Um, I remember most dismissals. I remember who's got me out. Um, yeah, I didn't remember much when I was at school, um, but I seem to remember everything about cricket. Lovely stuff. Well, um, thanks to everyone for sending in those questions. That's a, no, they, were, they were really good, so thank you very much for that. Um, to finish off the podcast, I'd like oh. to put um, you two to the test. Right. It's, the, um, it's the Lord's World Cup quiz, or should I say the Lord's Podcast World Cup quiz. Basically, I've picked three players who have played previously in World Cups, yeah. um, and all you have to do is tell me which team they played for. To make it a little bit easier, the teams that they played for are all also in this World Cup. Yeah, okay. So... Um, these players didn't play that many games of international cricket, so I've tried to make it a little bit harder. Right. Um, so it's the best of three. Um, Lottie, you can go first. Okay. And Ali second. Um, which country did Charlie Locke play for? I'll go for Scotland. I'll get to guess at this as well. Um, yeah, you both, so you both guess. Uh, I am I'll keep a straight face. Give nothing away. Charlie Locke. Uh, I am going to go for... I'm going to go for New Zealand. Uh -uh. Sorry, you're both wrong. He <laughs> played for Zimbabwe. Oh. A right-arm pace bowler, played eight, won the internationals, and one test match for Zimbabwe. He played during the 1996 World Cup. Oh, right. yeah. There it's you go. Long time ago. This could be a nil-nil draw. <laughs> yeah. It could be a stale, mate. Um, which country, Ali, you go first on this one. Mm -hmm. uh, which country did Warren Stott play for? I am going to go for. I'm going to go for Scotland with this. I'm going for New Zealand. One of you's got a point. It's me, isn't it? It is Lottie. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that. I don't know why I know that name. I think it's because I was in New Zealand. But yes. <laughs> he played one one-day international during the 1979 World Cup against oh. Sri Lanka, taking three for 48 in that match. And he was born in Rochdale in Lancashire. So there we oh, go. There you go. So Ali, to, to, on, Ali. to try all and level it out. All to do here. <laughs> all to do. Um, Lottie, you go first here. Yeah. Which country did Asim Butt play for? Um, UAE. Uh, well, I feel like uh, I haven't been left with that many countries with Lottie saying UAE, so I'm going to go for, I'm going to have to say Pakistan. There's a bit of a red herring, this one. Oh. He played for Scotland. Scotland. Oh, of course, <laughs> there we go, there we go. <laughs> the one you went for on the first yeah. time round. Now, he played five one-day five one day internationals for Scotland during the 99 World Cup. Um, he was born in Pakistan, uh, played his first class cricket for Lahore, before moving to Scotland in the 90s. And he took um, took one for 21 from 10 overs against Australia in the group stages. Oh, wow. So it was obviously quite handy, left arm seamer. But there you go. Uh, congratulations, Lottie. You've won the um, the World Cup quiz, 1-0. Um, so congratulations on that. Um, and just to finish off, uh, what have you got coming up over the next few weeks? I know you've, you've got a couple of weeks off and a bit, uh, well, a bit restless. Yeah, I've been a bit restless. I'm not used to sort of having a bit of time off, so... Um... Yeah, so having a bit of a rest and um, sort of getting around to see a few people that I've not seen all winter and um, and get back into training on the 25th of March with the England girls and obviously our preparation starts there for the summer, which I'm obviously very excited about. Well, I'd like to wish you um, very best of luck for the summer and uh, hopefully you can get the ashes, keep the ashes, so Brilliant. that'd be great. Um, Ali, 
myself, well, I will be obviously heading out to the UAE for the MCC Yorkshire fixture, um, but I'll be keeping abreast of news of just a, a short way away from here at the ECB offices because um, there's a new chairman in, uh, coming in, in Colin Graves, um, working alongside a new chief executive and following a World Cup, you feel like that we've just had, we feel like change is definitely in the air, which means there's going to be plenty of stories to write about. Can't wait. And just to finish, how have you, you've, you've moved from the Sun to the Guardian just recently. That's so correct, How yes. have you found that move, okay? Uh, it's been great. The word count has increased significantly, uh, as have the length of the words, but I'm enjoying it very much. Well, many thanks for both of you coming on the podcast today. Pleasure. Cheers. Lovely. Well, many thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next month with more cricketing stories from Lords. So remember to follow us on Twitter, our handles at Home of Cricket. Be our friend on Facebook. And for all the latest news from Lords, just go to lords.org. See you soon. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.